Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Invested. I'm Danielle Town. This week, we're going to put up the second part of that checklist discussion about Bill Ackman's investing checklist. So finish that up, enjoy, and think about these Irish companies that our wonderful Irish listeners sent in. I'm just going to read you a decent list of companies here, and I want to do that because rather than just picking one myself and giving you the one company, I think it's cool for you all to have the opportunity to look into whichever ones you're interested in. And undoubtedly, we all have different views, different expertise, different circles of competence, and perhaps you'll find something on this list that is particularly in your wheelhouse. So from Eli, we've got Origin Enterprises, which from his description sounds quite global. Um, I haven't looked at it yet, but I guess it's an Irish company, Origin Enterprise. That one sounds interesting. From Paul, who's living in Cork. Thanks, Paul. We've got IRES REIT, which is a REIT company holding rental properties across uh, Ireland. And it's lost a bunch of value recently, so he thinks perhaps it could be interesting. We are probably not going to end up talking about a REIT, but could be cool for those of you who are interested. IRES REIT. And then we've got from Owen a couple of banks, Permanent TSB, II, sorry, AIB Bank, and then Bank of Ireland. And then other ones are Kingspan, which is an insulation company, Ryanair, of course, the uh, airline, much maligned airline if you've ever flown it, which I certainly have, Smurfit Kappa, which is a paper and packaging company, and CRH, which is a uh, building product company. And most of those are global. So that's quite interesting. Thank you, Owen. And then from Paul, we've got Glanbia, which is a food company, Kerry Group, which is a food company, and they make Kerrygold butter. And when I Googled Irish public companies, that was one of the first ones that came up. And Kerrygold butter is fantastic. So all of you who have had that, that could be a cool one. They also own a lot of subsidiaries. So it might be a little bit more complicated than we may take on. And then Paul also mentioned CRH. So that's probably a pretty big Irish company to get two votes for that one. Uh, thank you, Paul. It was wonderful to hear from our Irish listeners. So enjoy this week, you guys, the checklist episode. And next week, I'm going to look at all of these as well. They're mostly new to me. And choose which one to look into more. And that's what I'll put up next week quickly. And then hopefully we'll be back, the two of us, after that. So I hope you're enjoying your August and enjoy your investing practice. This is fun. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Hey, everybody. This is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. And welcome to the Invested Podcast, where we're talking for a long time about how to invest, which seems to be something that is very simple 
and not easy. I think it's is just how we might put it. A plethora of things to learn and details and squiggly bits that may have seemed heretofore unknown. And that's what's fun is we're getting into all those little nooks and crannies these days. I think it's the snowboarding of money, I think is <laughs> because it was really cool for a while and now it's not. <laughs> oh no. Are you really is snowboarding no longer cool? No, I think snowboarding is very cool. But what happened, as you well know, is that skiing stole all the ideas of snowboarding and created way fatter skis and way shorter skis and like, what are those called? Like dual ended skis. So now everybody's doing tricks on skis and doing all the snowboarding stuff on skis. And frankly, there aren't a lot of people doing snowboarding as much anymore. Wow. I didn't know all that because it's been a little while. But if I have to go to something really steep, I'm on a snowboard. So why is investing the snowboarding? Wait, what was it? Snowboarding of what? The snowboarding of money. Oh, the snowboarding of money. Yeah. It's the snowboarding of money. And that is because snowboarding, unlike skiing and many other sports, has a really steep steep learning curve, but it's fast if you apply yourself. Um, and it's a tad painful to start with unless you use protection, right? Butt pad, knee pad, wrist pads, wrist braces. Um, and you need a good instructor. Um, we tried snowboarding on our own and it was really scary um, <laughs> yeah, and <true>. painful. <laughs> <laughs> and then had we not gotten instruction, I'm quite sure we would have quit, which is I think what happens with investing all the time. Instruction is extremely important. Mm -hmm. um, and here's the coolest thing about it is that I have seen people, including my stepson, Daniel, your, your brother-in-law, or brother, <laughs> your stepbrother, who never snowboarded and didn't hardly ski. And he got on a snowboard and in five days was doing black diamond deep powder. And mm -hmm. I couldn't believe it. It was just full application, totally fearless for five straight days. So you're and saying if you like fully apply yourself to learning Buffett investing, you can be an expert in five days? You can be an expert very quickly. Ah, okay. We wouldn't take the metaphor too, too literally, <laughs> <laughs> but I would say very quickly. And then quickly. you too can fall down a black diamond. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't fall down a black diamond. Oh, Hmm. And then he, we remember things a little bit differently. Well, okay. He may have fallen down some of the black <laughs> diamond, but he went down the black diamond. This is something not everyone can do. And it, it's probably reasonably good metaphor for actually the range of speed, which people, you know, learn this. But I think another part of it is that there is a right way to snowboard. There's definitely people have figured out like back when I started and you started and they sort of taught kind of how to do it and, you know, get the certain kind of board. It turned out like would never use those kind of boards today. And, um, and the instruction is, was pretty close, but it wasn't as good as it became. And, you know, good instruction takes a lot of the pain out of learning and it speeds up the whole process mm, and totally. you get to be kind of told when you're ready to go on to the next level. But in any case that I think it's an apt metaphor. It's a you can get good very quickly in snowboarding relative to skiing. I mean, a lot of people get really good in one season. True. And can very do stuff, true. they do parts of the mountain they couldn't have done on a ski. Very and I think true. that's what this is about. This is, this is, this kind of investing, Warren and Charlie have boiled it down so nicely to 
you know, basically four principles. And then there's a lot of books written that expand on those and kind of expound on them, including three by us, but also just lots of YouTube videos by people like Bill Ackman and Manesh Babrai. There's tons of books out there like Guy Spear and uh, has written some great, a great book. And so you can, you can expound on it. You can stretch it out. You can learn about it in more detail and that's fantastic. And you should, but the basics are really simple. They are really simple, just like snowboarding. The basics are dead simple. It's the application of them that really takes practice and, and I guess discipline would be part of it is just the discipline to just keep doing it the right way. Mm. Don't mm. try to Good take point. a shortcut mm-hmm. because as soon as the hill gets steeper, the shortcuts are going to absolutely fail, completely fall apart. Yeah. And that's the same thing here. The shortcuts uh, you know, there's all kinds of little shortcuts you could probably try from other kinds of investing, but you don't take them here. You, 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 and, and the the worst one to take is to stop being patient. You know, you want to take a shortcut to get going. Mm. And so you, you start to buy stuff and it cracked me. I mean, Danielle, you absolutely did this and just went, okay, I'm just going to buy something now. No, I didn't. Yeah. That's you not did, true. You did practice shares. Oh, but that wasn't investing, as we very clearly discussed. <laughs> Excuse me, I called it the wrong thing. But <laughs> you launched into it to just have the experience of buying some stock. Yeah. Which is true. It wasn't investing. And, and no. It, but that would be the kind of shortcut that could, obviously, if you didn't realize Oh, you my God. Not it's investing. not a shortcut. I take... I take umbrage. It's not a shortcut. It's a vital component to my education. It sounds like a Portuguese word. I don't don't know what it is. (laughs) I think think practice shares is an absolutely essential component to learning investing for anybody who is freaked out about buying stock. Absolutely. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. So anyway, not not to dwell on this too long, we we have been unfolding this for lots of podcasts, and we're going to unfold it some more today with a little more depth on the checklist. But last yeah. time, because you were not available, yeah. So last record, time I missed our recording because I was hosting a group of investors talking about how to evaluate boards of directors, which was fascinating and like wonderful, whoa, whoa. and. Uh, and if you subscribe to my newsletter, you guys got to read about that. So if you're not subscribed, go subscribe. You can read about okay, it on well, the archive. Can you give us the short version here? Like the... Not really. Not really. Um, no? Nothing useful at all? I, from, I, I'm trying to think what a little... short version would be. So it's... A tidbit? So, okay, I'll try. Um, So I came to this idea because I've been really focused on understanding executive teams and CEOs. And I started thinking, why am I focusing on these people so much when they're just the hired guns? And really the people who hire them are the representatives of the shareholders who are the boards of directors. Mm -hmm. And shouldn't I be looking at who these people are who are doing the hiring and the firing and making big strategic decisions about companies, or at least that's what we would hope they're doing. So I wanted to see if I could figure this stuff out about people who really have ultimate control and power and who are very little discussed in the media, in 
corporate documents, we really don't know a lot about the people who make up most boards of directors. So I was just really fascinated by that question. And I wanted to see if I could even find out stuff. And obviously, there's some like famous people on board. So you can find stuff out about like Al Gore is on Apple's board. You know, you can find out a lot about Al Gore and have opinions about him. But then there's other people on Apple's board where they don't even have a bio for those people on the website. So um, yeah, so I did a case study with um, some people who were also interested and got some great help from some experts. And what our my overarching question was like, is this a giant waste of time or not? Because I don't want to waste my time. And I decided I would waste my time on one company to see if it would work. And I had like, you know, I'd looked, I usually look at boards of directors of companies, but I didn't really do an in-depth project on it before. So it was really, really interesting because we did Adobe, we did a case study on Adobe and, um, and it was a great company to choose because they are sort of an opaque-ish board, but they're also like a great board because there actually is a lot of information about how they govern the company, about their ethics uh, rules, about their governance rules, about how often they have to meet and what kind of reviews they have to do and how they interact with the executives. And a lot of that stuff usually is not available. So in a way, it was actually a pretty cool board to find out about. But the the conclusion was kind of what I thought, which was, I think it is a bit of a waste of time. It's the kind of waste of time where, like, I, I felt a lot like I was sort of back in law practice, where um, what you want to be able to discern pretty quickly is whether or not something is an outlier. So most boards, my guess, I don't know if this is true, but I'm going to guess that most boards are kind of like normal, like they're not going to screw up the company and they're not going to really do a great job. They're kind of like there. That's my guess. And then my guess is that there's some portion of boards that are like insanely helpful for companies and so useful and provide tons of connections and strategic guidance and are amazing. And then there's some that are like filled with horrible people who just want to use the company jet and are only there for the salary and really like know nothing about the company. And so it's kind of like this bell curve is my guess. And so what I realized from doing this case study is what I want to be able to know pretty quickly so that I don't waste my time is whether or not this is probably kind of one of those normal-ish boards or if it's a weirdo and I should investigate further. And I think that's where I came down. So I want to be able to have, so I have now like a decent framework of basic stuff to know. And I don't think it's a waste of time to spend a couple hours looking at who the board is and what they do and what they say about the company and stuff like that. And um, and from there, that's probably the end of it for most companies. But then there will be some where there's something extra interesting or concerning. And those are the ones where it is worth the time to spend um, further study learning what they do. There you go. Wow. That's quite that's quite good. I, I have to say, I have I have a low opinion of boards. I know. In general, very know. low opinion of boards. And um and a very high opinion of the power of a CEO mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of, you know, what board, boards are a flawed concept in, in a, a corporate environment. They do not act as fiduciaries for the owners. 
there's no question in my mind that they are nowhere near the fiduciary uh, requirements that, that let's say your financial advisor would have that, that they're doing everything in the interest of the shareholder uh, with, with the owners of the business without, without uh, you know, any other real point of, of reference, like to their own benefit, let's say, or to the benefit of their cronies, which is kind of the game. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And I, I just have a low opinion of the whole idea and I don't have a better idea. So it may be like democracy, total crap, but better than everything else. <laughs> yeah. And um, <laughs> for a system of government. So as a system of, of governance of a, of a business, maybe this is as good as we can get. Um, man, I, I tell you, when, when you look at a board of directors like IBM has or Coca-Cola, you know, these big, huge companies and those, those boards, they're just loath to do anything that, yeah, that so that's upset the point, anyone. right? Like that's the point. Yeah. So you should, like, I think before I invest in a company, I want to know, is it that kind of board or is it a different kind of board? Well, it'd be fun. It'd be fun if you had board there. There, I imagine there are some companies. Well, particularly when you get these hedge fund guys getting going, like Bill Ackman comes to mind as an activist investor who can get a position on the board. Um, yeah, of course, everybody but... starts screaming. You know that this is only a short term. You know, I want to make a quick hit for my portfolio kind of guy. But I don't. I don't know why they would conclude that as a necessity. Right? I mean. It's, it could be typical, but it isn't everybody. And, um, you know, some, some hedge fund guys, for example, are real, like me, for example, if I, if I wanted to, if I wanted to be involved on a board, I would want to be involved in the sense of I'm in this company for the next two decades. You know, I don't, I want to make sure I can stay in this company is what yeah. is right. It's an interesting way to, uh, to look actually at companies. If they have a new active activist investor, an activist investor is somebody who isn't just passively putting their money in. They're actually trying to influence the course of the business. Um, so if there's somebody new who has managed to get a board seat, you know, how's that going to change things? Will it change it for the better? Will it change it for the worse? Is it going to cause massive amounts of dispute on the board? Is it going to lead them towards good stuff? Like you mentioned, Bill Ackman, who did an incredible job at Chipotle. Um, so, yeah, I think it's fascinating. I think it's... Um, well, it's here's here's the other useful... thing. The only other thing I can add on boards would be the, the same thing I would add for management, and that is get what if I was going to wave a wand and pass a law without an enormous amount of deep thought about it, I would say what I would require would be skin in the game for each mm -hmm. of those groups. You I think cannot it's a, it's be an on a board point. without serious skin in the game, such that your decisions will come back and bite you in the butt. And the same thing with a CEO and his top management team. They, the idea that they can be in here doing things to get themselves more money and have no downside at all. 
I mean, even if they're fired, they get $60 million or $100 million. It's just, it's breathtakingly bold robbery. And they it's white collar crime without there being a law that they're breaking. And these boards are the ones doing it. They They are creating these scenarios where they get it's just highway robbery. I mean, there's no excuse for it. And if you're working for these companies and you you know that they're just taking home hundreds of millions of dollars while you're basically unable to make a living, you can't live on your income, there's something morally wrong with that. It's just, I, just disgusting. And, you know, I don't know. I, <laughs> okay. I, can't, I can't stand boys anyway. You have a very strong reaction. So I do. I'll just state again, the point is to find that out. Yeah. Like, you can't have a gigantic, negative, horrific reaction about the horrible people on the board without knowing if there are horrible people on the board. Right. So that's the that's what I took away from the time spent on it. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Good. Well, I'd love to see how that comes out. So onward. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Adobe actually, speak of the devil, interestingly, has a requirement that every single director own stock. And a huge part of their pay is given to them in stock, which is unusual. So I thought that was super cool. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Depending on how they structure it, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So All right, what I missed was the Bill Ackman uh, list, or you called it a checklist of um, principles. I think he called it principles. He that does. He, he calls it principles. Um, that he sort of screwed up on back a few years ago and decided that he was going to adhere to these eight principles. So I went and I watched the video that you referenced and I'll just say it because I'm not sure it was said on the last one, but I Googled it. Um, it's called eight principles to successful investing on YouTube and it's on the investor talk channel on YouTube and it's only three and a half minutes. So it is not a commitment. And he goes through them. This is what I thought was really interesting. He talks about them like it's like one sentence, like he just rattled them off does, so quickly. <laughs> like he's got those things memorized to the point of like, it is a motto that they must say over and over and over in that office. And right. I love hearing that. Like it is ingrained. And to the point that he made like a little crappy plastic deal toy, which I also thought was really funny. So, um, yeah, which is yeah, a pretty cool, cool idea. That you found that you know, something similar. Yeah. So, so what did you think? I mean, what, what would your comments have been if you, um, uh, if you were going through that? I, I don't have a lot of comments. I mean, I thought his principles were not like controversial. They were very, they were what we would expect and they were really good and interesting. Well, you and know, what struck me actually <laughs> what? is that. Well, and you you can come back and finish your thought here in a second. But <laughs> what struck me was that Bill didn't follow them. Or I would say it was probably not that black and white. I would say more likely, having done a lot of this, that he thought he was following them. What are you talking about? Like bef in the before times that he yeah, mentioned? Yeah, when, when he got smoked on things uh, like Herbalife. Yeah, no, he like said that. that he didn't follow them. He said he didn't follow them. But yeah. I think he did follow them. I think he oh. just did in your head what you do <clears throat> when you've got your stated principles. You're going down your checklist. Not that he forgot his checklist. He's going down his checklist. And he's like, yeah, this is a simple and predictable business. Because, But you find yourself not knowing what you don't know. 
And you, if you take a little bit of liberty with yourself, like you say, oh, I'm smart. Mm-mm. I can figure this out. Um, you can find yourself over in this no man's land or no woman's land where you don't know and you don't know you don't know. If you know you don't know, you're fine. You won't go anywhere near it. It's not, not a simple business. I can't figure it out. But when you don't know that you don't know, you sit there and you think, yeah, I can handle this. It's, like when I was rowing rivers, you know, it's like you get up above a rapid you've never been on before. You're exploring a new river and you're looking down at this rapid and you're looking at it from above and it looks like other things you've done. And you think, yeah, I got this. Then you go back to your boat and you start off into the river and you realize, I don't know where I am. I don't know where, <laughs> I don't know what the entry point is. I Suddenly this became much more complicated than it looked like it was because I didn't know it was going to be like that. I didn't know I didn't know. And it's I was arrogance, right? Careful. It's another way it of was, saying arrogant. It's a way of saying arrogance. Yeah. Yeah. It, like we are f- hubris, right? It's just, yeah. yeah, I can, I got this. Yeah, I got this. Right. It's, it, I don't need it, to look at a map. No. I don't need I, to ask know? somebody who's been there. Right, right. I don't need to walk the rapid, look at it from the bottom, right? Right. I mean, come on, golf, right? You're going to make a putt. Oh, I got this five feet. I get it. And you, <laughs> right. you, you don't look at it. You don't even see that there's this bend, right? You can name any sport and have it has full of examples like that. And so I think we do go, oh, we're going down the checklist. Ah, simple, predictable. Yeah, okay, got it. And it wasn't. It wasn't. Hmm. Not for you, it wasn't. Maybe for somebody hmm. else it was, but hmm. not for you, it wasn't. Hmm. And and then when Bill says he's coming back to his checklist, I think honestly what he probably means is he's coming coming back in humbled yeah. to the oh, checklist. Definitely. He definitely and, and gave that vibe. Reining in, reining in the the range of companies that he's gonna willing to look at. Yeah. Which is to the point I made earlier in the when we were talking in the podcast about how this is simple, but it's not easy. And and the funny thing about it is if you keep it simple. If you if you refuse to get confident, if you right, if you if you can stay away from arrogance and stay away from this feeling like I got this, stay humble and stay simple. It, it, honestly, it's like it's like uh, what's the guy's name in ah oh, that Peter Sellers thing, the wonderful short story about Chancy Gardner who became the president of the United States. And he all he had was these simple aphorisms. He was really sort of an idiot. <laughs> and he rose rapidly to become the president of the United States. Peter Sellers does this amazing job in this old movie. And it's, <laughs> it's, uh-huh. it's a sense that if you just stick with the basics, you can answer these questions with the basics. You could just stay with that. Don't get outside any to become clever mm-hmm. arrogance a, yeah arrogance in other words Bu- buffett says many times this is not a game that's won by really smart people mm-hmm. it's not a 160 beats a 100 iq test mm-hmm. it isn't that way this isn't where clever wins this is where keeping it simple is his mantra jump over six inch bars not six foot bars and Bill found himself jumping over, you know, six foot bars, thinking they were easy. And you trip up on them and you splat on your face. And that's the hardest thing to do when you're managing money is to keep it to the six inch bars because there's not very many of them. There's not a lot of, 
right? If you're not if you're not in a market meltdown, if you're not in a giant recession, then there's not very many six inch bars. It's like everybody can spot a six inch bar. You have to you have to wait until all of the institutional guys are bailing out for reasons that have nothing to do with that six inch bar. They I think it's I think it's a really beautiful point. I'm glad that you made it. That yeah, you can have excellent principles and we can talk all day long and for however many hours we've created with this podcast. But if you don't stick to it in the moment and have that level of humility and 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 uh checking yourself, um, then it all it doesn't matter how much time you've spent learning all the different things. It's yeah, about you, you sticking can have a to a notebook it. full of pages of information about this company and think you've really done your homework. Exactly. And you haven't. Because you or, don't understand or you the or you have and you decided that for some reason it, you know, it's okay that it's not in a dominant market position or something like that. So so crazily, so, uh, we have, we've talked about the advantages you have as an individual investor in that no one is looking over your shoulder yelling you have to swing at this pitch you have you have to constantly be buying companies and selling companies and being active or i'm going to take my money away from you you don't have that you guys you just have you and you can sit for two years and not put money in anything except a government bond and just sit there and wait for a really easy opportunity and that's of course what we've been urging you to do and and what the second advantage that you have is that you know you don't know a lot of stuff. Come on, let's let's be real, right? We're not geniuses out there. We're not guys that went to Harvard. We're not women that went, well, you know, Danielle went to good schools. Okay, so you're smarter. But I'm not. I'm, you know, I I flunked out of one community college. Come on. So, I don't like all this like, oh, somebody's smarter and somebody's not. Like it's, it's just sort true, of like we're though. not, Those we're are not like super against smart each other. Yes, they can Bill Ackman's like insanely smart and he screwed up. And somebody else is less smart and can also screw up. It's not a it's not a competition about who's smarter and who's less smart. No, but when when you're smart, you tend to become arrogant. Don't you think? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But I do think the, when it comes to investing, it's, and you know, I've talked a lot about this, like it's a very interesting yin and yang, the push me, pull you thing of kind of that like confidence, which veers into arrogance for a lot of people who love this stuff and the fear that needs to veer more towards confidence that a lot of us who don't naturally come to this stuff feel. So I find that when people talk a lot about like how you have to like dial yourself back and not get arrogant and check your checklist and all that stuff, that's because that's what they need. That's because they veer towards that extreme. And what I need is something different. <laughs> I don't really veer towards arrogance that much. So what I need is actually a checklist that like is probably roughly the same, but it veers towards building my confidence and making really clear to myself that I've checked all the boxes and, you know, dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's and all the other uh, hackneyed metaphors. Well, so I, I think, you know, building toward a certain level of confidence is great. And that's what, of course, we're trying to do with this podcast, with teaching you guys. 
but going past that is dangerous and and it's right. really good to stay stay humble man just stay humble and stay skeptical and without making too fine a point on it charlie munger says stay pessimistic yeah you know, it's just like hey yeah. look look for the dark side because it's actually out there. i love that stay i think that works for everybody i think that works for everybody whether you're somebody who's like terrified to buy your first stock or you know you used to like day trade because you thought it was fun, which are basically like the two extremes that I can imagine. <laughs> um, I think both those kinds of people, if reminded to stay pessimistic, that works. That works. I like that. Because it, it brings you back to like, oh, what if the worst case scenario actually happens? Oh, what if not the worst case scenario, but just something like a little bit not so good happens. How does that affect this company? Like it reminds you to come back to all the scenarios of negativity, of um, things not going the way that you hope. And when you're about to go into an investment, like a real true investment, of course, that's entirely literally about putting your money into optimism. That's putting your money saying like, I'm making a bet that this thing is going to do well. And here's all the reasons why. And I can have an entire notebook filled with reasons why. And still bad things can happen. And so that, that I really like that reminder. Stay pessimistic. Yep. Okay, then let's do it. Let's, let's stay pezzy. Stay pezzy. <laughs> we'll stay pezzy. And so what else can you tell us about Bill's List? Shall we, shall we just move along? Um. Yeah, I would say I'll I'll read it off because I don't think we've even said what it is. And then um, I, I thought your comments were really good. So I'll read it off the way you said them. Um, so the business should be simple and predictable. Two, it should be it should have a dominant market position. I thought that was a really good way to say that. Uh, three, it should have limited exposure to extrinsic risk that we can't control. And actually, when I wrote it down, I didn't hear the second part at first. So I wrote down limited exposure to extrinsic risk. And I thought like, oh, that's a really good point. And then he added that we can't control. And I was like, why would you need to add that? Because, of course, any extrinsic risk is something that you're not controlling. I don't know. I thought that was an interesting addition. I'm not really sure why it needs to be there. But maybe I, I to put a finer point is... on there's a lot of stuff going on out there that can mess with this company. Well, extrinsic risk... I mean, Bill's an activist investor. He's getting on a board, and I think he's talking about extrinsic risk that the that the company actually can't adjust for. They can't hedge it. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, next one: free cash flow generative is the way he said it. Free, it generates free cash flow, and um, and you put that kind of you. I think you put it under moat in your. I uh, did framework. I actually yep. was thinking to me, that's more of a, I mean, it is a moat thing, but to me, it's sort of more of a sign of management and how management allocates capital. So I've made yeah. a little note to myself mm -hmm. of like mm -hmm. good management would have free cash flow. You're not, and, you're not wrong if you put it there. That is a sign of good management for sure. So the next one is large barriers to entry. I like that one. A lot of people just say like barriers to entry, and I like that he pointed out that they should be huge. Um, the next one is excellent management and good governance. And yes, super obvious. And uh, the next one is high return on capital, which you made the point that protects it during a recession. And I thought that was a really good point. 
And then the last one is a strong balance sheet that doesn't need outside capital. And um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like investing 101 strong balance sheet, but I like the I like the addition of doesn't need outside capital because it forces you when you're just doing the, I mean, this is a very high level list and it forces you even on that ultra high level to check how long this company can sustain itself and what to what forces is it subject um, that could cause it to need loans or cause it to take on an outside investor that it may not want something like that. So I thought that was a, a really nice addition. Cool. So and that's it. Yeah. And it, again, yeah. it's a really fast, fast uh, rattle so if you, off. If you were to look at, at, let's say, Carnival Cruise Lines and start coming down this list, you could say, well, it's pretty simple business, pretty predictable business. They have a dominant market position. They control the ports that they go to pretty much. Um, there are large barriers to entry in that business. You got to have billions of dollars to get ships uh, and to build a brand. Um, it is a Big cash flow generator, has high return on capital, excellent management, good governance, strong balance sheet, no need for outside capital. <laughs> and here comes this extrinsic risk that if you if you were to think carefully on this list, right, you would look at this and go, what extrinsic risk could exist that could crush a cruise line company? And I think you would eventually you'd land on a pandemic, wouldn't you? Yeah, I was thinking a giant world war or a pandemic. A giant world war or a pandemic. Yeah. You would have to come to that. And so if you would see, for example, if you own this company and you see that this pandemic is starting in China, which there it was in the news in December, right? And the stock market's still going up. The cruise ships are still going up. You'd had a couple of months there to exit that position as this story changed in in this cruise line. Now, we didn't own that cruise line in the first place, but we, I could have easily because I was looking at it and trying to buy it. It just wasn't on sale. Hmm. And um, so it could have been easily something I would have bought. This checklist works to get you out as well because obviously this is a story, a story about a company. And when that story changes... You have to change the investment. You hedge it, mm -hmm. right? Buy some mm -hmm. puts or you get out. Just exit that position and, and watch to see what happens as this pandemic starts to roll out. And I got to say, man, Ackman's a super smart guy. And, and this is a heck of a good list um, that we use now. Uh, we've, we've added this to what we do. We use it now as an overview um, because we go a little deeper when we go into what we're looking for, for the meaning of a business, the moat of a business management. We just go a little deeper in each one of those. Then what's not on the list for us is margin of safety, which we're going to get into next time. Um, and, and also on the list is nothing about events because these things are things that put a business on sale and then they're just, yeah, that's what bill does. Right. So that's, that's a darn good list. I really what? like your idea to use it as a kind of checkpoint um, to see if something has changed about the company and its story to the point where you may have to make an adjustment in your investment and maybe get out. Because yep. that's something I think so many of us have questions about. Like, how do you really know if the story's changed? Because it can get, it can feel like it's very complicated. And I, I really like your idea of like 
these eight things. If something on here has changed, then you look further. That's it's. I like that. Look, look further. It's very helpful. Deeper. Yep. Okay. Cool. And you guys know how much deeper our checklist is because we've been going through it for weeks. Um, our and we're going to come to it next checklist time. Is is, is yeah. <laughs> our management checklist is. We're almost done with it. I'm I'm very tempted to wrap it up, but let's nope. let's jump next time to the management list. We're giving we, that checklist we're going straight to the it. attention it deserves. Exactly. There we go. <laughs> Until then, time to go play. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information or to listen to additional episodes, visit our website at investedpodcast.com and sign up for my virtual workshop right there. Spots are definitely limited for this event. I'm not kidding. They really are. They sell out very quickly. So everything discussed on this podcast, by the way, is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And really important, it's not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your financial advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So remember that. You're on your own here. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really hope you enjoyed it.